Hello, everybody, and welcome to the BearCast Media Bengals Podcast. I am Justin Cashman alongside Alex Frank, and this is the second installment of the off-season show. Um, we got a lot to get into. Um, we talked a little bit about free agency, the draft, some of the coaching hires last week, and we're just going to expand on that a little bit and uh, talk about some new developments. The current playoffs, the Super Bowl teams are set. Yes. The Chiefs will take on the Buccaneers. That is... Uh, Pretty exciting, uh, you know. I wish it was the Bengals taking on the Buccaneers, but they'll have to wait till next year. So yeah, at um, least until next year. <laughs> Alex, we took we talked a little bit about the Frank Pollock and the Marion Hobby um, hirings last week, and we talked a little bit about what that might mean for the positional groups um, in 2021. Um, you know, I, I've heard a little bit about um, guys like Billy Price. Um, you know, maybe taking over for Trey Hopkins because of Trey Hopkins' ACL injury, what that might mean for him moving forward. Maybe that's going to be a, uh, you know, rebound for him after a slow start to his career. Um, and then what it's going to mean for maybe some of the defensive line guys, if they might bring a guy like Carl Lawson back, um, what that's going to mean for other free agents, maybe they'll bring him back. Um, so, Alex, as we are about to um, go into the last game of the season, obviously, um, you know, we talked a little about, bit about free agency in the last show. Um, you know, we've had time to research some of the guys that are going to be upcoming free agents. Um, do you have any guys in your, you know, in your mind that you really want to take a good uh, look at and who you might well, want the Bengals to sign? And uh, we appropriately call this the the should or should I stay or should I go edition of the Bearcast Media Bengals podcast. But um, obviously, some of the guys we mentioned last week: Trent Williams, Brandon Scherf, Joe Tooney. Now we know about guys like Daryl Williams, left tackle for the Bills, Deion Dawkins. I think he's the left. He's a guard for the Bills. What position exactly is? I believe he's Dawkins. He's a guard. He is, uh, to be exact, a. He's not even listed on here. Uh, Daryl Williams is a. Oh, left tackle. Excuse me. He's a tackle as well. So both Dawkins and Williams are tackles. Dawkins on the left, Williams on the right. Um. So there's those two. There's Taylor Mo. There's Taylor Moton. Is it Moton or Moton? I believe it's Moton. Taylor Moton from the Panthers. So that's another. He he. I read this stat. He is the he's in the top sixteen grades for Pro Football Focus at both left and right tackle. Each of the last three seasons, no other offensive lineman in the National Football League can make that claim. So there are some quality free agents out there, and the rumors are. And what's being reported by our good friend Paul Daner Jr. of The Athletic, who we're going to have on next week on the show, special guest, uh, senior writer and podcaster for The Athletic, who covers the Bengals, does a tremendous job covering the team, as he has for the previous nine years. Seven at the Inquirer, now the previous two with The Athletic. We'll have him on to discuss it, but he reported that the belief is that they're going to spend. They're going to spend some money this offseason. Because as we have seen the previous few years, They've relied on projection and development. Well, this offensive line hasn't developed. Name me one offensive lineman who has developed over the course of the previous, I don't know, four, uh, five seasons. Trey Hopkins. He, he, Trey Hopkins, yes. I think he's found a role at center. But as you said, he has an ACL injury now, and he may not be able to start the season. So this is where you really need to bring in... You, you, you need to do two things. One is you need to evaluate who you have right now. The only really quality offensive lineman that you have is uh, injured. 
Yes, Xavier Suafilo is serviceable. Fred Johnson was serviceable towards the end of the season. But I need offensive line. I need to see offensive linemen, Justin. When I go to watch this team in person next year, every single game, I need to see offensive linemen who aren't just serviceable. When the season is hanging in the balance, like from weeks, oh, I don't know, five through seven, where you lost three games, that A, you got destroyed by a tenacious pass rush, and B, you lost because your offensive lineman couldn't protect your quarterback and because your defense stunk. I need to see quarterbacks who, and also can allow for Joe Mixon to run the football at 1,000 yards next season. I need to see offensive linemen who are more than just serviceable when the season is hanging in the balance, not when there's, you know, you're eliminated from playoff contention, you're just playing for pride and putting some tape for the coaches going into the next season. I need to see when the season's hanging in the balance, quality offensive linemen. Can you get that with Xavier Suafilo? Can you get that with Quentin Spain? Can you get that with Fred Johnson? Can you get that with Alex Redman? Can you get that with any of the offensive linemen that you have right now? I don't know. You can get it with Trey Hopkins, but the problem is he is injured. Can you get it with Jonah Williams? I don't know. I mean, I mean, he's missed 22 games, as you mentioned last week, 22 games in the first two seasons. Can you get that from him? I don't know. That's why you need to, A, spend money in free agency. I just did the evaluation for them. Maybe, they, maybe they'll listen to this. I just did the evaluation for them. Can You can't get quality, high quality from the guys you have right now. You can get serviceability. That's not going to get you much, unfortunately, in this league, especially in the AFC North. Three teams that made the playoffs last year, as we mentioned last week. Go out and get some quality offensive linemen. Look at the market. Free agency this year. It is deep. You can at least land a second-tier offensive lineman, preferably a first-tier, but still, get someone from the free agent class. Sorry. And then... The draft, if you want to draft guys like a guy like Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater or whoever the Bengals are targeting, yes, do it then. But they have to spend money on free agency, particularly on the offensive line. Yes, they invested in the defense last year, but teams aren't doing that. That's not how you win in this league. Look at the four teams, Justin, who were playing yesterday in the conference championship games. They ranked in the top 12 in spending on offensive linemen. Funny how those four teams are really, really good. And their quarterbacks are all superstars. It's no wonder. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Because having the uh, offensive line, you know, set up and put together is going to be a recipe for success for your offense to be successful. I mean, the Chiefs, um, you know, being down there two starting tackles is going to be obviously very detrimental against a very good pass rush of the Bucks. But the fact that they had those two tackles was incredible for that offense because that just opened up so much for that uh offense you know obviously Patrick Mahomes is you know an incredible talent um and they have great weapons like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey but you know having time to get the ball to those guys is what um is the most important key and when you name all those guys in the Bengals offensive line you know I think what the Bengals over the last few years have done is they'll take a super small sample size of you know the good things that some of those guys have done you know take for example the Tennessee Titans game this past year um, when their only healthy starting offensive lineman was, I believe, Trey Hopkins, um, and the re- all the uh, the other four were all backups. And a guy like Fred Johnson came in and he played extremely well. A guy like Quentin Spain came in and played extremely well. And then that's an excuse to play those guys for the rest of the season. Uh, and you know they struggled all year um, for the majority of the season. But um, you know I think this. Zach Taylor and this uh, coaching staff said, well, listen, I know what these guys can do. Um, and, you know, we saw it in one game, so hopefully they can do that in another game. Well, you know, that's not all exactly the case all the time. 
Um, what you want to have is a guy like Joe Tooney. What you want to have is a guy like Brandon Scherf, who's going to give you that consistent play from uh, week to week. You don't have to say, you don't have to make excuses for that guy. You don't have to say, well, he played good last week, so him playing poorly this week, um, you know, we have we have a justification for why he was playing. No, you need a guy that's going to come in and play consistent from on a week to week basis. Um, now, from what it sounds like from reports, is that this team, uh, the Bengals, are not going to spend a lot on guards. Um, I don't necessarily think that they're super uh, invested in signing a guy like Joe Tooney or Brendan Scherf, but it sounds more like they're invested in signing a um, you know big name tackle. And Paul Diener Jr., who you mentioned, is going to be on our show next week. Um, he said in his recent article that uh, they, the team is expected to cut Bobby Hart. Good, and I believe that will save about six million dollars. And then he also had said um, this team is looking to sign a big name uh, or have a big signing at tackle. Now he didn't say left or right. Um, but two of the guys we just discussed, Daryl Williams for the Bills, who has been fantastic in the playoffs this year, and Taylor Moten, who I didn't really know a whole lot about. Um, you know, I've kind of talked to my friend who's a Panthers fan a little bit about him. Um, he was drafted in 2017 in the second round, so he's obviously still on his rookie contract. Where, where college should he go to? Uh, Western Michigan. Um, okay. So he's obviously still on his rookie year. Uh, Spotrack or Spotrack, whatever it is, the website that uh, has all the uh, up-and-coming free agents his market value is set at a little under $15 million a year. Now, that might sound a lot like a lot of money for a young guy uh, for you know a tackle, but if you want to have a good offensive line and if you want to protect Joe Burrow, that's the type of money we're going to spend. What side is he on again? I believe he's right. right yeah, tackle. Right, right tackle. Okay, so that would make sense if you're going to cut Bobby Hart and then you're going to... See, the thing that the Bengals have done well is they've managed the salary cap very well. Like They've put themselves in a position where they are able to spend money on free agents and that's why the reports coming out are that yes they are going to potentially as you're saying land a top tier land a big signing at tackle but my concern is why aren't you addressing the offensive guards did you see michael jordan last year and how pathetic he was is the reason why burrow's hurt yes sorry joe burrow is injured because Michael Jordan, now, yes, Burrow got the throw-off in time, but that doesn't matter. You you should not let your quarterback get hit like that. And it's not just Joe Burrow that he couldn't protect last year. Do you realize do you realize he missed, like, 20 blocks in pass protection last year? 20? That's like one per game. And again, we talked about last year. You never, excuse me, you never know when that one time you miss is going to potentially harm your franchise quarterback. And it did. We we knew, we were fearing that after the Ravens game, if this was going to continue, that Joe Burrow was going to get injured. And he did. He ultimately did. Um, now, thankfully, now thankfully it, it appears as if that we didn't really spend much time on Joe Burrow last week. Um, it appears as if he's fine. But now that it's happened once, it might be good to not let it happen again. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, we recently saw videos. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw it, but, uh, you know, Black Sheep Performance, I believe is the name, or Black Sheep Training. It's in a Blue Ash, Ohio, which is a popular training site for a lot of the Cincinnati Bengals players. Yes. Uh, he was recently spotted there working out. Um, you know, no brace. It uh, didn't look like no, uh, you know, extra support on the knee. Uh, on the injured knee, so that's a good sign. I'm not exactly sure what the workout was. It was just a you know one second glimpse of him talking to a trainer. It looked like, but either way, you know it looks like he's back already training. You know I'm not sure 
what his um, you know regimen is if he's running if he's you know just doing a little bit of mobility work either way it's great to see your starting quarterback get some work in after such a detrimental injury um, so I you know I'm excited for that but yeah I just want to touch a little bit more on uh, these guys I think the reason why we hear so much about the tackle position being addressed rather than the guard position is because it's hard to judge um, you know it, it's easier to it's easier to judge a tackle in the league um, than it is a guard. I mean, in my opinion, because a lot of the times a guards, you know, they can get, they can get helped out by the tackle. They can get helped out by the center, but the tackle, sometimes they're pinned on an Island all by themselves. And so when a, when a tackle looks very, very good, like a guy like Taylor Moten, you're going to say, okay, well, I'd rather give him, you know, close to $15 million a year rather than a guy like Joe Tunier, Brandon Scherf. Not to say that those two guys aren't phenomenal at their, you know, respective positions. But I think when you see a guy like Taylor Moten, um, you know, on a, you know, rather lackluster offensive line that Carolina has, and he's a standout, and he can go on an island by himself, something that Bobby Hart has proven that he cannot do, I think that you're way more willing to throw $15 million a year at him than a guy like Tunier or Scherf, in my belief. But that's not to say that this team isn't going to spend on guard. That's just from what it sounds like. Um, you know, that could be Moten, that could be Trent Williams, that could be, you know, Daryl Williams. We don't really know yet, but... Um, having them be able to protect Joe Burrow is number one. Joe Burrow in all of this, you know, I think a lot of times we forget that, you know, Joe Burrow is the easy objective. He's a primary focus of this whole team. You know, I don't think without Joe Burrow, they would be going to great lengths to fix this offensive line. Not to say that they wouldn't fix it at all, but I think if they didn't have Joe Burrow and, you know, after such a gruesome injury, I don't think that they would be willing to spend as much money on the offensive line as it would be without him. Yeah, and you bring up a great point there with tackles because, and by the way, just whoever we do sign, just hope that he doesn't get Luka Doncic by uh, Miles Garrett like Bobby Hart did in week two on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, that was funny, by the way. Um, You bring up a great point there about tackles because if the Bengals are going to be a pass-first team, which I do think they established themselves as that last year. I mean, we saw... This team, Justin, like if you had to say what their identity is offensively, are they a run-first team or are they a pass-first team? Oh, pass. Okay, yeah, and you're going to be that way. Like, you know, and a lot of teams are like that in the the National Football League. I mean, the four teams who played yesterday in the conference championship game, Kansas City, no words needed. Buffalo, no words needed. Tampa Bay, no words needed. Green Bay, no words needed. You see there's a common theme, and, and you could even go back to the week before that there were, well... Maybe not the week before. My bad. Went a little too far there. But teams who win in this league, this has become a pass-first league. So the Bengals are. So the Bengals. Zach Taylor knows. I think somewhat knows what this offense needs to be to score points in this league, and that's how you win games. I think he does understand that. But if you're going, but with the guards, my other school of thought here is, if you're gonna, if you're going to try to increase the production of the run game don't you need some beef in the interior which is your your left guard your center and your right guard alex redmond can run block i'm not saying he can't but do you trust um billy price who sucks in run blocking do you trust michael jordan in run blocking because let me tell you you just signed joe mixon to a four-year extension and we'll get to him here in a minute because i i do want to raise a question to you about joe mixon so if you're going to, because the Bengals have ranked in the bottom quarter of the league in three of the last four years in run blocking, and Joe Mixon only averaged 3.6 yards per carry last year, the elite running backs in this league 
averaged more than 3.6 yards a carry. Now, Joe Mixon, it's not like he wasn't getting touches last year. He had at least 16 carries or 19 touches in every single game he played last year, which was six of them. But at the same time, he only really had one great game, and that was against Jacksonville. And please, Jacksonville was, what, 1-15. in So I think you do, to a degree, need to at least evaluate who you have at your guard positions. And Paul Daner brings up several guards that need to improve. Guys like Alex Redmond, guys like um, Michael Jordan, Keaton Sutherland, who was mainly a practice squad backup player last year. Um, he brings up uh, Quentin Spain. So there are, you, you have options. Billy Price, too. I mean, Billy Price has played guard um, at, at, throughout his career. But I do think you need to address the guards because you cannot waste the talent that you have in Joe Mixon. Because, let me tell you, and going back to the tackle positions, the elite defensive linemen, Justin, in our division are what? The elite, you said the elite guards. The, the elite defensive linemen. What the positions? Elite defensive linemen. Yeah, they're edge rushers, right? Yeah, Bud Dupree, T.J. Watt, Matt, uh, Judon, Ndakwe. Yeah. Don't forget about Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Olivier Vernon. Yeah. So the tackle position, I, I agree with you. You need to invest in a tackle because I don't want Jonah Williams having to block Miles. Uh, Jonah Williams having to block Miles Garrett or someone else who maybe you can get a better one in free agency that has experience. And certainly, cutting Bobby Hart will help with that because he clearly couldn't block anybody last year. Um, so you do... I do think the tackle position should be your utmost priority. That's a great point you bring up there, Justin, how you, it's easier to judge a tackle more than it is to judge the interior because when you watch a game, the, the camera angle is to the side and you see mainly the left tackle. You can kind of see the right tackle too, but you kind of don't really pay attention to the guys on the interior. But I do think you need to, to some degree, evaluate them. And then if you're not happy with who you have, either A, draft somebody in free agency, or B, uh, draft somebody, excuse me, or B, bring somebody in like, like a Joe Tooney, like a Brandon Scherf in free agency. There are options. And if the reports are true that Mike Brown and this front office is willing to you know open their checkbook a little bit, this is, as Paul Daner said, a defining five months of the regime. You have a generational talent in Joe Burrow. He's maybe the best quarterback coming out of college since at least in this generation, Andrew Luck. And before that, I mean, I mean, do you have to go back to Elway, Marino, and Kelly of how good Joe Burrow was coming out of college? And look, the obvious, they whiffed. I mean, they, they failed to address the offensive line last year. Great free agency targets. I'm not saying they weren't. Did you address the offensive line? What's the quarterback? What, what, what's the quarterback's, um, his, his first line of defense is his offensive line, and you did not address it. That is organizational fraud right there. And I think that, you know, at the time, it's, you know, the Bengals are spending so much in free agency. You know, they're handing out all this money to uh, guys like DJ Raider and Trey Waynes. But the only offensive lineman they signed at free agency was Xavier Suofilo. And he got hurt in the very first game um, and played limited games this year. Um, and so, yeah, it's awesome that you're going to have, you know, a beefed up 
cornerback group. You're going to have a beefed-up interior lineman group. But now Geno Atkins is gone. William Jackson might be gone. Can those guys handle the load for being the number one guy at their respective position? I don't know. And they're being paid all this money. Now you're saying, well, you know, I really wish we did hand some money out to some of these free agent offensive linemen last season, but or last offseason. But now we have the chance to. Now the Bengals have the opportunity to do that same thing. Um, and, you know, we'll see what they do. But uh, just to add on to my point is that I think that um, great tackle play can make up for lackluster guard play, but great guard play can make up for last lackluster tackle play. Now that's and Especially for being a pass-first team. And exactly. And the Bengals don't have necessarily either of those right now. They don't have a good you know, guard group, and they don't really have a good tackle group. Jonah Williams, we talked about this last week, is he trending to being a bust? I don't know yet. I mean, he played well in his limited snaps this year, but... But don't solely rely on him. That's why I go get a tackle. Exactly. And he missed 22 games in his first two seasons. He missed an entire uh, rookie season, and then he missed a bunch of games last year. So he, while he can be good, you just can't really rely on him to stay on the field um, just because he's proven that he can't. And so, um, you know, hopefully they go get a tackle. Um, you know, it, I think also from what I've read that it sounds like this team might want to go after a few guys in, on the defense. Now, I don't necessarily know what positions. Um, it just really depends on, I think, if they bring Carl Lawson and or William Jackson back. Um, so that could be a corner. That could be a defensive lineman. That could be a linebacker. We don't really know. Um, there, I, feel, I feel like there's just a lot of unknown right now. Can you but see them going after a linebacker, though? Because I feel like they have some pieces. Like Jordan Evans is going to be cut, hopefully, because he's been proven that he's never been able to figure it out. Uh, Logan Wilson has potential. Played, had some flashes last year. Akeem Davis-Gaither, we have seen his ability as you know a guy that can drop back in coverage you know, go after the ball, and he's also someone who can get after, who can stop the run, get after the quarterback, but I haven't really heard anything, Justin, that makes me think that they could go after a linebacker. Uh, linebacker, I, I was just throwing that out there. I don't, I don't, out of all the positions, I think... Because you have potential there. Do you need to spend money there? Listen, Josh Bynes, he was on a one-year deal this last season. He's on the opposite side of 30. I think he did play very well for this team. I don't think that he was bad at all, but say they don't want to go that route and bring him back. Jermaine Pratt, he hasn't necessarily proved to be a phenomenal uh, third-round pick like he was back in 2017. I don't really know. Or 2018, excuse me. Um, and Josh Bynes, or uh, sorry, Akeem Davis-Gaither, he played limited snaps, so you don't really know if he can be a linebacker one. Logan Wilson, I think that he is this, you know, the future of this team's linebacking core. I think that he is a phenomenal player. He had a great rookie season. And then Marcus Bailey, you know, who, I, who really knows with him? He had very limited snaps and was pretty awful in those snaps that he did play. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I mean, from it sounds like this team is going to move on from Mackenzie Alexander at slot corner. Um, I feel like it's just up in the air right now with William Jackson. I mean, they could always tag him, you know, but that's going to come out of obviously a huge price. Um, and that could really impact their other free agent signings. But, um, you know, you're getting Trey Waynes back. Will he stay healthy? Um, is William Jackson going to be back? And, you know, if you let Mackenzie Alexander go, is Darius Phillips, you know, is he good enough to play in the slot? But he's also had a, you have to remember that Darius Phillips has dealt with a lot of injuries. Um, you know, he's not necessarily a guy who's been able to stay healthy throughout the, you know, his career so far. So it, there's a lot of questions right now, but I think the Bengals right now are just, you know, relying heavily on if these guys stay healthy, if these guys can, you know, you know, stay on the field, but that's never a given. You know, you can never really tell on any given season. A guy might, you know, tear his peck like Trey Wayne's in uh, the offseason. Um, 
So, you know, we'll see. But, but at least you have... It would be interesting to find out if they, like, these some of these guys go, if they're already, um, you know, eyeing a few of the other free agents right now. At least you had Von Bell, though, to... Trey Wayne's, yes... I shouldn't even say that. At least Jesse Bates was just really good that you kind of forgot about Trey Wayne's. Yeah. But, again, now, as you're saying, you can't solely rely on the guys who have been hurt to stay healthy and who didn't even play last year to play this year because they could get hurt again. That's why you need, oh, I don't know, something called insurance policies. I mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're again, you know, this is, you know, sports, again, they're, they are run like a business. At least they should be. Um, professional sports teams, are, sports teams are run like a business. You have to find a way to... Um, to bring in some insurance policies for guys like Jonah Williams, like Trey Waynes, maybe maybe even like DJ Reader. The linebacking core last year stayed relatively healthy. I'm going to throw that out there. The defensive line struggled with injuries. Sam Hubbard was out for uh, you know a huge chunk of the season. DJ Reader uh, did not play after week five. And then in the secondary, uh, Trey Waynes missed the entire season. I know William Jackson missed a game or two. Darius Phillips, you mentioned he's had injuries in addition to not being very good. So there are some positions on this roster that you need to address. And the offensive line, like I said last week, you had at one point seven straight games with a different starting offensive line and 10 different combinations during the season. That's not going to get it done in this league, especially with a rookie quarterback. I don't care how good Joe Burrow is. He is really good, newsflash, but you need a solid offensive line to protect him. And you, and then that's where training camp, if you bring in all these offensive linemen next year, training camp, evaluate him every single day so that you roll out the best five offensive linemen for week one. If you make some changes early in the season, but you have a definitive offensive line by, let's say, week five or six, that's fine. I can live with that. But you can't be still evaluating them in um, week seven. Eight, nine, whatever. You can't do that. And the amount of players that they can definitively say at the beginning of the season, this is our guy, this is who we want starting, and not having competitions till the very end of camp is what you ultimately want because you want this team to know what direction they want uh, you know, this roster to be in. Um, what they what direction they want this uh, roster to go because if you're you know hearing that you know this guy is still battling another guy if Saber Suafilo is still battling Michael Jordan or you know someone else for you know the starting right guard spot um, that's not what you want to hear you want to hear this team say okay listen Saber uh, Suafilo or you know whoever it may be not exactly Saber Suafilo is our starting guy at right guard um, because that means you know that you know they've been working their ass off you know they've been busting their tail. And that they're going to do their best to protect Joe Burrow because that's what you want to hear at the end of the day. Like we said a few minutes ago, Joe Burrow at the end of the day is, you know, it's a, um, what's a, what's a phrase? It's a, um, you know, it's, it, it, that's your prize that, you know, you, you, that's the guy that's going to lead you to the Super Bowl. Um, but uh, I want to touch a little bit on uh, Joe Mixon. You had mentioned earlier that, um, you know, Joe Mixon only really had one good game this past season, and that was the Jacksonville Jaguars game, uh, barely beating a team that just won one game uh, this past season. So, uh, you know, you kind of take that with a grain of salt. But, you know, can Joe Mixon prove to be healthy? I don't know. Um, And like how I had mentioned that, you know, great tackle play can make up for lackluster guard play, but lackluster guard play can't make up for, uh, or great guard play can't make up for lackluster tackle play. Um, You know, 
it is to be said, though, that those guard positions are going to be very, very important for a guy like Joe Mixon because at the end of the day, back in 2018 when Joe, Joe Mixon was averaging um, you know, almost five yards a carry, that's when this guard play was at its best in the last three or four years. Um, now that's gone downhill you know, incredibly the last couple of years, and you know, his numbers have struggled a little bit. Um, obviously, he dealt with injury this past season, so there's nothing you can really do about that. But, um, you know, it is to, you know, it's fair to say that, um, you know, adjust or addressing that guard position is going to be um, super important for a guy like Joe Mixon, but it might not be, um, you know, the number one, um, the number one piece f- to help a guy like Joe, Joe Burrow. So I think you just kind of have to have that balance there. Um, because you obviously don't want to jump Burrow throwing the ball 60, 70 times a game. That you know that that's not what you want. They want to have a little bit more of a run game. Um, so you know it's you just kind of have to play the chess pieces. You don't really know because if you plug a guy in right here, Joe Mixon might you know have 13, 14, 1500 yards. But if you know you go out and get a guy like Taylor Moten, yeah, Joe Burrow is going to have a great season. But now you're paying Joe Mixon 12 million dollars a year, and he's not really doing anything. So. I, it just depends on what this organization really wants to do in the offseason free agency because I think it could go either way. But having a great run game, like look at the Packers. Aaron Jones carried the ball almost 300 times this year, and they are one of they are the epitome of being a pass-first team. Let me ask you this about Joe Mixon. So he's coming off uh, a season where he missed the final 10 games due to a foot injury and whatever Whatever that really was, which we all thought it was something minor, it turned out to be something more than that. Who knows if he actually wanted to play? Bet Paul Daner Jr. can get us some insight on that next week. Are you concerned about Joe Mixon staying healthy down the road? Uh, it depends. Um, you know, he had the injury back in 2018. And wasn't that a foot injury or was that an ankle injury? That was a knee injury. That was a knee injury. So, you know, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily worried yet. Because it hasn't been something that's, um, other than this season, that's really made him miss a ton of games. But say next year he misses, you know, five, six, seven games, then I'd really start to worry because then you got Giovanni uh, Giovanni Bernard uh, waiting for another contract. Um, you have a young guys, kind of unproven guys like you know Travion Williams, and uh, you have another guy like Samaj P. Ryan who's been up and down this past season. So. Um, I wouldn't say I'm worried yet, but depending on how next year goes, I think that I would be extremely worried given the amount of money that we're paying him. So how do you feel about him going into this offseason and as we approach the start of next season? Um, Joe Mixon, you mean? Yeah. Uh, well, I think he has to stay you know, 100% healthy next year. I think if he does not stay 100% healthy next year, then you have to you know, question whether or not that you know he can stay on this team because we did see really good play from Giovanni Bernard, uh, you know, in the Titans game. We saw a very good play from Smaj P. Ryan in the Texans game. Um, and that's all going to depend on how the offensive line is playing, obviously. But, um, you know, there's an age-old saying, don't pay your running backs because at any given day, a guy could break out and have a 100-yard day like Smaj P. Ryan did against the Texans. He was phenomenal. Um, so I think to, um, you know, kind of not have that being said about Joe Mixon. You really have to have him step up next year and play all 16 games. You have to have him have at least 1,000 yards because um, you know that he can. And I think that will happen. You know, I think with Frank Pollock being back and, you know, I think these, um, you know, recent, you know, rumblings of this team maybe signing some free agent offensive linemen, I think that definitely could happen. Um, but it's just a matter of pitting, you know, uh, 
you know, him actually being healthy and getting back out there and actually doing it. So that's, I mean, I'm confident, but, you know, you can't be 100% confident in this league with running backs and uh, being healthy on a week-to-week basis. I, I am confident as well. I'm not too concerned about his injury history going into this offseason because keep this in mind. Yes, he missed two games in 2018. Do you realize that he came back early from that injury? And then, oh, by the way, he had a receiving touchdown in his first game back against the Dolphins. He had a rushing touchdown against the Steelers the, the next week. He had a great game against Tampa Bay. He played really well down the stretch. Uh, you may not have remembered that from that one in uh, one in seven second half of the season. Ooh, that was bad. Um, but you are seeing that yes, Joe Mixon, you know, when healthy, he is maybe a top ten running back in this league. He had did he have a thousand yards rushing in two thousand nineteen? Yes, he did. Yeah. So. And that was without Frank Pollock. That was with Jim Turner. And a team that was throwing the ball 40 to 50 times a game, A, because that's who they wanted to be, and B, because they were down by so many points in the third quarter or fourth quarter, second half. So, yeah, I do think you have to be cognizant of Joe Mixon being injured because he's, A, he's such an integral part to your team. He, he might be the most valuable player outside of, you know, hopefully what will turn out to be the offensive line. And B, because, you know, it, like you said, it's a running back. This has occurred, you know, twice now. Obviously, this is the first major injury that he has had to deal with in his career. And you just do need to be cognizant of that. Do I would I be too worried going into in the next season? No. If he gets hurt if he gets hurt again, yes, I probably will be that way. But I think too, you know, if you want to be a pass first team, you look at you look at the run. You look at the teams who played yesterday, and they use their running backs as receivers. I mean, even Leonard Fournette. Hey, he did have a touchdown against Tampa, against New Orleans, receiving. I'm just saying, Justin, it may not hurt Joe Mixon to, you know, work on his abilities as a pass catcher. Yeah, and I think that's you know what we've seen over the last few years is Joe Mixon's ability to make people miss in open space and break tackles, and um, you know, kind of be that guy who can just dominate you on a down to down basis, but. Um, you know, the most, you know, the most receptions he's had in a year was 2018, his best season rushing. It was also his best season receiving. He had 43 catches for almost 300 yards and a touchdown. So I think the Bengals really need to get him involved in the passing game. I mean, I think the highest amount of yards that he had this past season and the, um, you know, catching the ball was against the Browns. Maybe I think he had a couple big catches, but that's as as far as I can remember, that's all he really did in the passing game. Oh no, he had the receiving touchdown against Jacksonville. Uh, I'm mistaken, but um, you know, having a guy that can do both, like a Giovanni Bernard, but bigger and faster and stronger, is incredibly important. On top of paying him 12 million dollars a year, so to have a guy like Joe Mixon to be able to do that is going to be really important. But if he shows that he can't, then you know maybe they think about drafting a running back, or maybe they think about signing a free agent running back. But I think they're not going to do that this off season. That's really going to be something that happens next off season. It just really depends. Um, I think it's way too early to tell because every player has injuries at some point in their career. No guys are going to, you know, be hundred percent healthy every single year. So, um, I think it's Joe Mixon's time to, you know, kind of have that injury and hopefully he rebounds from it. And, um, you know, hopefully he can have, you know, the best season of his career next year. But as of right now, it's too early to say whether or not that, um, we have to start thinking about, you know, free agents or drafts or, you know, a, a guy, a running back, at least to me. You did pay him, so I mean, again, this is what you bring up a great point there. You know, paying running backs—it's a high, high risk. 
mean, look at Ezekiel Elliott. He's become a guy who fumbles too much. Yeah. I mean, the only running back that might have been the safest to pay in the league is Derrick Henry. And lo and behold, that move has paid off. He had a great you know, season this past year with Tennessee. I mean, if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes slinging the ball all over the field, he might be, he would be the front runner for the MVP. So we hit on Joe Mixon. So it sounds like we know the guys who are going. Bobby Hart's leaving. Jordan Evans is leaving. Excuse me. Um, apparently, Mackenzie Alexander's leaving too, which I know we're not really happy about. Yeah, I mean, listen, this team, um, yes, we address offensive line and, you know, every single show of, uh, you know, during the season because the offensive line was so abysmal. And then especially when Joe Burrow got hurt, then we really went in on him or on the offensive line and his coaching staff and Jim Turner and Zach Taylor. But this is slowly starting to become a team that's going to really have to make moves on defense. Granted, you know, they have some pending free agents and it's going to really depend on who they bring back. A guy like Carl Lawson. So it's hard to judge to me how valuable a guy like Carl Lawson is. Yes, he is easily the best pass rusher on this team. Sam Hubbard's probably number two. Um, you know, he's been hurt. And so Carl Lawson is that guy that's kind of been, you know, the, the constant on this defensive line. But he was the leading sacker on this team with only six and a half sacks. So, yes, he's the best defensive end on this team. But does that make him a top 10 defensive end in the league? Does that make him a top 15, 20? It's so hard to say. And, yes, he was top of the league in pass rushes and uh, quarterback hits. Um, but it doesn't really mean anything if you can't, you know, transition those into sacks. Sacks is what is going to put this team and this defense in a fantastic position to force turnovers get the ball back and put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands. Um, and so it's it's really hard to judge the um, value of Carl Lawson to me. I, I wouldn't want to see this team give Carl Lawson anywhere more than $12 million a year. I mean, you look at the current um, you know standing of the top defensive ends in the league, and they're going to be demanding upwards of $15 million a year. Now, if Carl Lawson demanded $15 million plus a year, I'd say you're out the door. I don't care. Because at the end of the day, that money's going to be needed to spend on more important positions. Um, and not to say that defensive end is an important position, but, you know, I'm not going to give a guy who only had six and a half sacks just because he was a leading, uh, you know, edge rusher on our team. I'm not going to give him $15 million a year, at least not to me. Do you think that he deserves that money? And, you know, how much would you be willing to give him? I don't think he deserves that money yet, but I do think he is someone to strongly consider bringing back because you mentioned you need guys in this league that can give the ball back to your quarterback. I mean, think about, this is a great example, Justin, of complimentary football. The Browns and the Ravens, yes, their identities, when we think of them, are, you know, their offenses. But at the same time, you think about the Ravens, well, actually, the Browns offensively. The Ravens, they've always been identified by their defense. Think about the Ravens. They have Matthew Judon, Calais Campbell, uh, Parnell McPhee. They have pass rushers that can get the ball back in the hands of Lamar Jackson, which shortens the game because you know when Lamar Jackson has the ball, it's going to be methodical. It's going to be nine minutes time of possession, and they're going to run the ball straight down your throats. You look at the Browns, you know, if you can get one or two critical sacks in the game from Miles Garrett, who, fun fact, remember that sack on Joe Burrow he had in week seven, the fumble? The Browns get, I believe, a field goal out of it. Uh, it was it ended up being a three-point game. I'll just throw that out there. So, um, the, so you do need to consider 
bringing back Carl Lawson because he is your best pass rusher and he does hold some value, and that does hold some value in this division. Look at the three teams who made the playoffs last year in our division. T.J. Watt, the Ravens, they're a bevy of pass rushers. The Browns have Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon, mainly Miles Garrett. You are seeing that these teams, you know, they invest in edge rushers. The Bengals need to do the same thing. Can Sam Hubbard be that number two guy to Carl Lawson? I don't know. He, he has shown potential, sure, in his career. You know, he made a great play on Deshaun Watson last year or in Week 16. That much, I will say. But at the same time, you you really do have to consider, um, you know, you have to know what Carl Lawson is going to demand because he's not someone who can demand $15 million. This is why it's so hard to build a football team. You have to... You know, evaluate all the positions, but then you have to say, okay, if we invest in this position, we're not going to be able to fully, you know, we're not going to be able to spend a lot at this position. I mean, it is a pick and choose game, and that's why the draft's so important, free agency is so important, re-signing guys, contract extensions. The the front office has to, you know, weigh all this. It it is a very, very, there's a lot of elements to keep track of when you're building and constructing a football team. And you have to remember, it's not like Carl Lawson was, you know, he played all 16 games this past season. And in 2019, he played in 12. And last year, in 12 games, he had five sacks. And this year, in 16 games, he had five and a half. And his best year was his rookie year. He had eight and a half. And then he only played in seven games and had one sack in 2018, his second year. So you have to think, listen, this guy, he had a phenomenal rookie year. But you can't just let a guy's single season linger and linger and linger because that's just going to make you way overpay yes Carl Lawson is extremely talented and he's one of the you know top edge rushers uh as, you know statistically as far as uh, quarterback pressures and QB hits go but you can't really just judge stats you know it's always hard to say um you know a guy deserves this money just off his just off of his stats because you have to think oh well you know what's is there a guy on the opposite side of him that's you know you know getting a lot of those other uh, getting a lot of attention because he draws a lot of pressure um in this case not necessarily so maybe you do think that he you know is uh warranted you know 15 million dollars a year but um you know that's really up to the discretion of the coaches and you know even if you sign a guy like carl lawson to a deal you know a really hefty one like that um you know what's what what's his top is is he going to be a guy that's going to get you 15 sacks a year or is he just going to be a guy who's going to get you a consistent seven to eight sacks a year because i wouldn't want to pay him 15 million dollars a year if he's just going to give me a constant seven to eight sacks but that could be what the nfl is becoming because you know this is a league that you know is driven now by offense so maybe that's what you are paying for if you if a defensive end says hey i can give you seven to eight sacks a year that might be all you need don't you think that that's what the league is becoming? I mean, I, I think it is, but, you know, it, it's just so hard to say because I feel like, um, you know, it all depends on the team, you know, because if a team values another position, they want to pay them more, um, you know, that's going to really, you know, it's going to really impact how much you pay someone else. But, um, you know, the Bengals have a lot of cap room and they I think they could give Carl Lawson extremely too much money. Um I mean, but I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just at the end of the day, it's hard to say whether or not it's worth it because, yes, you're getting a very good pass rusher, but um, are you giving up the opportunity to sign a guy like, you know, Taylor Moten or Trent Williams or one of those guys uh, just to sign a guy who's going to get you six or seven sacks? Because 
I think the only way I'd be willing to give Carl Lawson that many that much money is if there's another guy in this defensive line who's going to at least produce that much, uh, you know, statistically as Carl Lawson. Because like this past year, we saw him get five and a half sacks. He was a you know team leader, but who was the next person? Three sacks, two sacks. I don't even know who it was. Maybe Sam Hubbard. Maybe uh, yeah. Okay, so that's what you need to. If you have two guys that can give you seven, eight sacks, then you're fine. Yeah, that's fine. But you know, giving Carl Lawson that money. I would only hope that a guy like Sam Hubbard might just, I want to see him one-up him. I don't want to see him, you know, be a little bit less uh, better than him. I want to see him, you know, take over because Sam Hubbard is going to be in a contract year next year as well. And so, you know, I just want to have that complimentary football. I want to see two guys that are able to do the same thing, not just one who's able to do extremely well. And the rest of the group is just, you know, not good at all. Yeah. And and those, and but that goes back to the fact that this roster still is deficient. If you, if you're going to try and pay $15 million to a guy who really hasn't been that productive, that's that's the problem here. Is Yes, it's great that there's you know cap space and there's a great free agency class and the reports are out there that the Bengals are going to you know make are going to swing at some high-priced free agents at some uh, at some really desperately needed filled positions. But the talent as far as re-signing guys, again, another element to think about if you're a GM is they don't have a whole lot of talent on this roster. At some positions, yes. We know Joe Burrow's talented. We know Joe Mixon's talented. T. Higgins has the potential to be a star, pro bowler perennially, maybe even all pro at some point in his career. Tyler Boyd, we know what he is. Um, C.J. Uzama comes back. But outside of that, Jesse Bates at safety. There is talent, yes, but at some positions, there's not talent. And it, that's particularly positions that you're you know, talking about who you're going to re-sign, who you're, who's going to stay, who's going to go. Um, uh, who you're going to spend in free agency. That's the situation right now with this team. And you also have to remember that Marion Hobby just got brought in. Nick Eason isn't here anymore, and I think Nick Eason was a huge fan of Carl Lawson. And, uh, you know, I don't necessarily know what the relationship between Marion Hobby and Carl Lawson is, but I think that could obviously impact, um, you know, maybe Marion Hobby isn't as huge a fan of Carl Lawson as Carl Lawson, or as Nick Eason was of Carl Lawson. Um, so I think that's a huge factor to bring in. You know, you could say that for any position that just got a new positional coach brought in. You know, you don't really know until you know. And I think, you know, you brought up, is this what the NFL has come to? You know, I think guy, at some point a team has to say, listen, if we really value a guy for what he does on and off the field and we really like the character that he brings into the locker room every day, we really like his attitude, his coachability, um, you know, how hard does he practice, how hard does he play, um, you know, you might have to overpay for a guy. And I think teams know that. And, um, you know, I think that's just how it is in the NFL nowadays because I think every team has come to accept the fact that, listen, um, you know, this guy is, you know, maybe statistically a little bit above average. But at this point, if we want to retain him, we're going to have to way overpay for what he actually should be. Um, and I think that's exactly what's going to come with Carl Lawson. And, you know, same could be said for William Jackson. You know, he's also a free agent. We just talked a lot about Carl Austin, but William Jackson has been corner number one for this team for the last couple of years. Um, and are they going to overpay for him? Are they going to franchise tag him? We don't really know. You shouldn't overpay for William Jackson. I get it. You know, his man coverage, he's very good. Stop. Just stop. Have you seen him in coverage? Did you see him get burned by Odell on Thursday Night Football? I did. Did you see him get... Um, I'm pretty sure he got burned in the Colts game on more than one occasion. 
Did you see him against mm, who else? There, ha- there has to be, there has to be another one. Uh, who was the guy who got oh. burned on Greg Ward's touchdown when we played Philly? Was that William Jackson or was that LaShawn Sims? I think that, I think that might have been LaShawn. Or Sims. Darius Phillips. Or Darius Phillips. I, I don't. Know Either way, know. okay. The secondary. Look, I don't want to hear how. I don't want to hear that it's underrated. It's not. Jesse Bates is a great player. He's he's someone. That's another thing too. Here, here's one thing you can do. Figure out the guys you know you're going to eventually give a second contract to. Jesse Bates is one. Sam Harper potentially may be one. Carl Lawson could be. William Jackson. Darius Phillips. You have to know who you're going to pay your second contract to. Then you can say, okay, we don't. We're not going to prioritize this this player. If we can re-sign him, great. But if not, we'll target him in the draft or free agency. Boom. That's how you be a GM. Maybe. At least that's how I would do it. See how it works. And I think to me, you know, you're already giving so much money to Trey Waynes. Um, you know, when they brought in Trey Waynes, I think a lot of the people question whether or not is Trey Waynes going to be cornerback one? Is William Jackson going to be cornerback one? Then obviously Waynes gets hurt. Uh, William Jackson is cornerback one. And, you know, I, I have a higher opinion of William Jackson than you may. And uh, that's okay. But um, what, well, what's your opinion on him? I think that William Jackson is an above-average corner, but I think that he obviously has his flaws, and he obviously gets is very easily to beat on a double move, like we saw with um, um, uh, Brandon Cooks against you know when they played against the Texans. We saw that against OBJ against the Browns, but I do think yes. that William Jackson is a above-average corner. Because listen, say say we move on from William Jackson and Trey Waynes, he stays healthy, he comes in as cornerback one, then. Who do you have? You have Darius Phillips, who's been inconsistent for the most part. You know, he's played well. He's had his uh, flashes. Um, So you want him to step in at slot corner, a position that, you know, he hasn't necessarily played the most at. He's primarily been on the outside uh, due to injuries. Um, And you let Mackenzie Alexander go. And then who else? You're going to have to pay for a corner either way. So would you rather pay a guy like William Jackson, who is only how old? Or he's 29. So would you rather pay... 29? He's 29. Yeah. And he hasn't been and he hasn't lived up to his first round draft pick. But you have to think how much money you're going to are you going to have to give a guy who's not better than him? Because if you're going to have to give him within 3 million dollars of what William Jackson would be asking for, but you know, they're maybe just a little bit younger but not as good. I, it, it's just a push. Yes. I mean, and again, that's the position, that's the situation the Bengals are in right now. They have they have to decide that and it doesn't help when the players you currently have are not really that good. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, the corners are, it's hard to ask a corner to cover, um, you know, a, a wide receiver for, you know, 10 seconds when your pass rush can't get a single, uh, you know, pass rush at all. Or not for 10 seconds, but for 6, 7 seconds, whatever the average, you know, uh, snap to throw time is. But um, when you have a very limited edge rush and a very limited rush in general, it's going to be harder for your corner to play because it's hard to ask a corner to cover a guy for seven, eight, you know, Upward, you know, upwards of that, uh, seconds because it's hard for anyone. I don't care how good of a corner you are. It's hard to cover a guy for that long, especially when you have guys like Tyreek Hill, when you have a guy like Brandon Cooks, some of the fastest guys in the league. And you know, William Jackson is a very good shutdown corner. Uh, you know, but you're gonna have to pay for that. And I think that you know he's been a sh- the thing is with William Jackson is he's a shutdown corner um, against. Uh, Sorry, against average um, play, but I think he's been okay against you know 
very good, t uh, very good players like OBJ. Um, and I think that's where he really has to step up. But I think he has the opportunity. I think he has the ability to step up. And okay, so that so that be your rationale right for giving him, you know, maybe franchise tagging him, maybe paying for him, but not overpaying for him. There is there is merit to, it, but at the same time. I mean, is there any track record that makes you confident that what you're going to pay William Jackson is justifiable and it's going to give me confidence as a fan, you as a fan, and any other Bengals fans out there, that this is a good decision by the front office? It helps, again, it does not help the fact that the players you currently have right now are not very good. That's the situation the Bengals are in right now. The positions that are going to be addressed in free agency and the NFL draft. Basically, positions in need. Why? It's because the players aren't very good right now. Now, some teams have positions of need. It's just because they could maybe, maybe players are old, maybe because, you know, their contracts are up and you're not, not going to be able to repay them because other guys are higher priorities, whatever they may be. But some teams have glaring issues of need. And it, it's because the players aren't very good. You have to decide, do we pay this guy or do we franchise tag him and target this position in free agency in the draft? That's what Mike Brown in this front office has to do. By the end of these five months... Uh, or, or when we get to training camp, we need to have a solid roster in place. Yeah. So there can be not internal competition, competition. So here's what I would do. So if I'm the GM of the Bengals right now, or if I'm Mike Brown, if I'm Zach Taylor, here's what I really want to do. Duke Tobin. Duke Tobin. I would extend Carl Lawson because... Yes. Extend Carl Lawson, here's my reason why. Because he's the best player at his position, and if he goes down... Then who else do you have? Sam Hubbard? Okay. Is he going to give you six sacks? Seven sacks? You don't really know. Carl Lawson is the best player at his position. William Jackson might not even be the best player at his position on the team. Trey Waynes might be the best corner on the team. We don't really know because he hasn't been playing. Um, so that's why maybe don't re-sign Jackson because you don't know what you have in Trey yeah, Waynes. So if I, Trey Waynes goes out there and plays really well next year, there's the answer right there. Yeah, so, and one could justify saying, well, what if you re-sign William Jackson to a three-year deal and now you have both him and Waynes locked up for the next couple years? But to me, that's going to be a lot more money than if you just were to franchise tag William Jackson. I think what this team needs to do is extend Carl Lawson, uh, franchise tag William Jackson to say, okay, well, as long as Trey Waynes is healthy and William Jackson can stay healthy, then you know, if these guys uh, are both very good, then maybe we can talk about extending William Jackson after the next season. Um, but I think right now the best thing where you're going to do the best thing for this team to do is just to see what they have with both Trey Waynes and William Jackson um, by franchise tagging him. So that way that you have the guy who's the best offensive end locked up for the next few years, and then you have you know kind of a one year plan on the you know maybe cornerback one uh, you know in William Jackson. But that's something you're going to find out in 2021 is it can he be cornerback one, and if not, you let him go. Yeah. And if he can be, then you know you have both him and Wayne's locked up for the next few years. It's again, it's priorities. You say Carl Lawson's your best defensive player or best defensive lineman, extend him. Yeah. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's a great way to look at it. Prioritize who you need the most, who you don't need the most. And but if there are guys that you want to have, franchise tag him. Say to William Jackson, hey, this is a prove it year. They did they did this with AJ Green last year. They didn't re-sign AJ Green to a contract extension. They only gave one to Tyler Boyd. Smart move by the front office. Now, why the holy hell they gave Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins contract extensions is something I'll never know. That turned out to not be a great decision. But extending Tyler Boyd and franchise tagging A.J. Green, hey, now you know Boyd has a future here. A.J. Green does not. You know, he's had a great 10-year career here. I'm not going to deny that. But you need to let him go. Got about four and a half minutes left here. Um, 
Real quick with the championship games yesterday, Justin, Tampa Bay over Green Bay, 31-26. Kansas City over Buffalo, 38-24. Super Bowl 55 in Tampa Bay. Kansas City, it, it, it basically you can say it, Kansas City at Tampa Bay. Literally, it's like a road game for the Chiefs. Yeah, sorry, continue. I was just going to say, Tom Brady is playing in his 10th Super Bowl. 10th! One-third of his playoff wins of his, in his career, 11 of his 33 career playoff wins have come after he turned 39 years old. Put it to you that way. And I was not betting against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers against the Packers. Earlier on in the year, the Buccaneers, I don't remember the final score. But 38 to 10. Yeah, it was a blowout. They destroyed the Packers. And I you know, I know a lot of people say it's hard to beat the same team twice in a season. Well, you know, when you're Tom Brady, it's, it's not really very not. hard. Yeah, so I, I, I took the Buccaneers in that game, and I also took the Chiefs. Um, you know, the Bills defense did not play remotely close to what they have been playing all year, what they should have played against. Uh, the best offense in the entire uh, NFL. Um, so it'll be interesting. You know, I'm excited. Uh, obviously, we have a couple weeks now until the Super Bowl. I believe it's on February 7th. February 7th. Raymond James. Yeah. Should be fun. But you mentioned, okay, why the hell did Green Bay kick the field goal late in the game yesterday? I think Matt LaFleur's thinking was, you know, just, you know, what was the score at the time? 30- That's overcomplicated, though. 31-23. Okay, you kick the field goal, you're down five. You get a chance to stop them. You have the two-minute warning potentially, and three timeouts, and then you only need six to win. No! Don't take the ball out of your MVP's hands! I mean, I think it's flawed thinking. When you have the best quarterback in the... Uh, I was almost said in the country. When you have the best quarterback in the NFL this past season and the best wide receiver in the NFL this past season, you know, you have to put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hand on that, Aaron Rodgers hands on that fourth Yes! Thousand. And then he comes out after the game saying, you know, I don't know my future, who knows what's going to happen... Um, you know, he didn't sound very happy with the decision to go that's for, not, for the field goal. D- don't read into that too much. That's just him based. That's just him not wanting to get involved in that right now. That's a great defensive mechanism answer there. He'll be back in Green Bay next year. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Green Bay has got a good team. Matt LaFleur is a good, is a really good head coach, but he, that's a, an egregious decision that he made yesterday. You can't kick the field goal there. If you go for it on fourth down and you don't get it, so be it. They're backed up at their own 10-yard line. And then if you if, if you force them to punt Tampa Bay, you get the ball back, maybe only having to go 60 yards, and you got Aaron Rodgers. I'm taking my chances. Sorry. And Okay, if you get the touchdown but not the two-point conversion, you still have a chance. And you and you need a better cornerback, too, uh, to compliment Jerry Alexander. Oh! Kevin King was abysmal. I mean, that... Uh, you know, touchdown he gave it to Scotty Miller right before halftime was uh, easily one of the worst. Uh, I don't even know what to say about that. That was awful. Um, you know, they drafted Josh Jackson a couple years ago in the second round to after drafting Jared Alexander in the first round. Um, but I think it's gonna have they're gonna have to sign a corner in free agency or be, to do something because they have to be able to keep up with these high powered offenses or you know they're gonna have no chance against a team like the Buccaneers with a team loaded on offense. Yes. Okay, now let's go to the AFC real quick. Got about a minute left. Um, Kansas City's really good. Yeah. Buffalo didn't play bad yesterday. They kicked too many field goals, I will say that. But Kansas City only punted one time yesterday. That was on their first possession. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he's, you know, he's ascending to greatness. Uh, he's already great. Uh, you know, he'll be a phenomenal player in the NFL for years to come. And, you know, it'll be exciting to see, you know, I kept seeing the baby goat versus the actual goat yeah. with Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. So it'll be fun. It'll be exciting. It'll probably be a high-scoring game. Uh, I mean, if know. it was like the regular season game between the two teams where Tyreek Hill had 200 yards in the first quarter, I mean, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, it's not fair the weapons the Chiefs have on offense. No. And it, you realize this. 
Patrick Mahomes is one coin toss away from potentially playing in three Super Bowls in his first three seasons as a starting quarterback. Exactly. Think about that for a minute. Well, Paul Daner Jr. on next week. Looking forward to that. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was it for the BearCast Media Bengals podcast. Tune in next week to listen to the uh, writer for The Athletic covering the Bengals, Paul Daner Jr., and we will talk to you guys very soon.